Hello, everybody. Locked on Nationals podcast. My name is Josh Neighbors. Today, Cole Casio and I discuss what has COVID taught us or what has it revealed about the way we think about sports in terms of labor, labor, social justice, things of that nature. Um, we really dig deep on the MLB and kind of their labor dispute and, and the conversations that it has sparked about not just baseball, but sports in general. Um, just a note, this was recorded on Tuesday, June 16th. 2020. As I sit here recording this intro on June 17th in the afternoon, there have been rumblings about baseball coming back, and uh, the proposal right now is 60 games from the owners, full pro rata, expanded uh, expanded playoffs as well. As soon as we get news on that, as soon as as we get some formal news, Nash Walker from Locked On Twins and I, he and I are going to do a full podcast breaking down what happened. Um, and so, I mean, there might be, you know. You might be listening to this podcast, and there might be a second one in your feed ready to go. But this one's a bit more evergreen. It's just going to be some of the conversations that, uh, that have really come up during COVID, you know, about sports, surrounding sports, and, um, you know, kind of what they mean moving forward. All right, enjoy the show. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later. The Nets have won it. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast. Your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Well, everybody, Locked On Nationals podcast, Josh Neighbors. Joining me today, Cole Ocasio, and uh, we want to have an interesting conversation. Cole and I used to be radio show hosts together, and so we kind of wanted to... um, Take a you know kind of a bird's eye view and discuss like the, the conversations that COVID has revealed in sports. And the first place we have to start is labor. I mean, the, the way that um, unions, players unions in particular, or lack of player unions in some case of uh, you know the UFC especially, but the way that um, athletes' rights have taken center stage. And the bargaining power that they have, uh, obviously, right now. I mean, this is you know we're recording this the day after Rob Manfred has gone on television and said, "I'm not 100 percent there's going to be baseball," and uh, you know he does this a week after saying that there will be baseball. It's um, it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's beyond it being frustrating and annoying. Uh, you know, this is this is a conversation that we've been having for weeks. And obviously the, the number one talking point here, Cole, is the fact that MLB had a chance to take center stage to um, suck up a vacuum in a time where ESPN was, is playing Korean baseball. They had a chance to play baseball, and the owners and the players couldn't come to an agreement. My philosophy has always been this. The players' unit exists for, to get the best rights for the players. 
So if they hold, I mean, you, we've seen this time and time again, the NFL is the best example. The unions usually get run over. The players usually get run over. So unions need to hold fast and steady for the players. This one, in my opinion, it's solely on the owners. There's nowhere else to put the blame. It's solely on the owners, in my opinion. I think that the whole picking sides argument is a bit silly. I think that in this, there's a no winner. And I think that if I truly did have to pick a side, of course I would side with the players. The owners can clearly afford to take a loss, uh, just like a bunch of owners around the country of various companies have during this time as well. And I think that they stand to gain a lot of money by playing as well. And by taking that loss, ultimately, long-term, they will see a return because we will see baseball's popularity absolutely spike in this country, Uh, which is what, honestly, which is what the MLB definitely needed at this point. Um, I think that they've made it pretty clear to the fans, though, the owners, even the players, um, and certainly Manfred, I think they've made it very clear that for us, the fans, baseball doesn't care about you. Therefore, you shouldn't care about baseball. It will, the world will go on, as we've seen time and time again, through this pandemic. And I think people are tired of hearing about it. And I think that they're losing a lot of potential fans that they could have and would have gained during this time. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who hosts, you know, a podcast about a baseball team, I mean, I can't, <clears throat> I can't say I, I'm excited each day to think about what to talk about. You know, it's not, you know, none of the conversations about when baseball returns and how it will return would, are exciting to me at all. And I think you made a really good point with the owners across the country of various things that aren't baseball teams are also taking losses. And there's a couple things that we have to talk about here. One point that was really good, excuse me, I'm dying over here. Uh, one point that was really good that was made by Ryan Rossillo a couple weeks ago, at no point in time when you decided to become an owner of a baseball team, is there any part of the agreement that it says it has to be profitable for you in a certain season? At no point in time did anybody ever say, well, you know, if it doesn't make money for you, um, then, you know, it, it's not supposed to happen. Look, it's like any other business. Like, just because, you know, my, my parents' office, uh, they're both dentists, they're, they're, they're going to be operating at a bit of a deficit for a little while, but I mean, you know, it's, they have an obligation to take care of people and get back to work. And eventually things are going to turn in a positive direction for them. Um, but at no point in time when they became dentists and opened their own practice, was there a guarantee that it would be profitable as, you know, as a small business owner, the same goes for the league. Also, and, and the option there is too. So say, you know, for my dad, if, if it's at the point where it's, you know, um, not profitable enough, he could sell his practice. He could sell, you know, that's, that's what they do is he could sell, you know, his, um, you know, obviously patients can come and go, but he can sell, you know, what he's got going. Owners at the same time, look, if you're going to take too much of a financial loss, I know it's, I know it's a lot for me to say, you know, sell your team, but sell the team. I mean, a, a sports team as a long-term asset is going to be profitable. Amongst rich white men, and this predominantly who owns teams, it's pretty cool to own a sports team, right? I mean, this is across, like, we're seeing this now, like, like owning the Warriors is about, like, as cool as it can get. 
I mean, like it's it's a it's a commodity. Owning something like that, owning a baseball team too, is just like that. It's cool, and it's usually it's usually going to be profitable when you consider the the um, the TV contract they get for especially the local rights one. So if it's that much of an issue for you in the short term, and I understand that owners are shrewd people. That's how they get to this point. It's why you see, like when you watch Shark Tank, that's why the people on Shark Tank argue about the numbers and the percentages. And that's why the, you see these billionaires, guys like Mark Cuban, you know, fighting for every dollar on a show like Shark Tank when they really don't need to. But that's their nature. That's how they got to this point. But at the same time, like that, I can only understand that to a certain point. If you own a sports team, part of your obligation is to the fans. Like that, that is, those are your stakeholders. Those are your shareholders of the company. And I can't, you know, I can't sympathize at all with there's a, the fact there's a group of owners that are like, yeah, we're just not going to play this year. And I think that a lot of the owners are, you know, it's a big argument right now. It's like, oh, well, the owners are upsetting the players and the players are upsetting the owners. Well, where's the conversation that both parties are upsetting the fans and mostly the owners are upsetting the fans, right. their stakeholders, as you said. And it's interesting you bring up Shark Tank because let's ask the question, do you think Mark Cuban got into this sports ownership game to make money? No. I mean, he's probably the best owner in all of sports. Right? And, in, yeah, and, even his, and even his team had some issues a while ago. You know, we, we remember. Completely. Right. But yeah. So I, I think the argument's silly to even pick sides when, you know, these people will see and have seen more money in our lives than any of us as fans will. I think right. that there has to be compromise on both sides. I think, though, that we've seen the players much more willing to accept that compromise than the owners themselves, which is ludicrous. The numbers bear that out, too. I mean, the numbers will tell right. you that the, that the players – in terms of the financial, you know, finances where they're coming together. I mean, the, the pure number might not be larger, but the percentage in terms of what they're taking home is going to be uh, the hit they're taking is sign- more significant than the teams. I mean, you have got a team like the Marlins who still operated at a financial gain, you know, and, and uh, a couple years ago, you know, they're two years removed from being outdrawn by the LSU baseball team, you know, and they're still operating at, at a, you know, they're still, um, a money-making endeavor there in Miami. And so we go from this and you think, as I said this earlier, like, yes, the players in the beginning, the players message was not unified. And I thought the league looked a lot better. Not that I agreed with them, but the league looked a lot better because the players were not organized. The players did organize. And I think Max Scherzer was a big part of that with his statement a little while ago, but uh, unions, like I have to say this as a player's union, if you're working for them, and I think Dominique Foxworth has been on ESPN a lot, has given a lot of good insight on this. Like it's one way traffic for the most part. I mean, it's the owners typically just abusing the players in these negotiations. And so I think it is important in situations like this, that the MLB players union, they've got to stay strong. They've got because the thing is they're the ones in the field. They'll always, they have the protection of being beloved by, you know, like, the Nationals players are a good example. You're not going to fall out of love with the Nationals players because we saw how hard they worked last year to win a championship. And, you know, for you, Cole, I'm a Braves fan, but, you know, you're not going to fall out of love. Like, we're not going to blame Ronald Acuna for this. I mean, we kind of, like, you know, we kind of blame the players a little bit, but once they hit the field again, like, we love these guys. And we know that they – and the idea that they don't want to play baseball is ludicrous. 
They just want to get paid what they feel they deserve. And in this climate where they're the ones taking the risk by putting themselves back out there, I think there's no logical way that you can side with ownership. And yeah, I mean, is it, is it okay? Like, the players should play hardball. I mean, the owner, if the owners are going to do it, the owners always do it. The players should too. And in this climate, it's, it's more important now than ever. If the union can't defend the players now, when there is a pandemic happening, when can a union defend its members? And ultimately, the players are the ones taking the risk. The owners aren't. The players are the ones who are having to play during a pandemic, having to isolate away from their families for the most part, and having to play a sport in the middle of a time where actually not only a pandemic, but there's a lot of social injustice in this world that has not taken the necessary strides to be solved. So there's a lot at play here as the world is somewhat crumbling around them and they're expected to shut up and play baseball. You can't ask a human being to do that. You you couldn't ask a regular working man to do that, which at the end of the day, this is what these baseball players are. They are working men. Yeah. It's, it's weird, too, because, you know, think about the NBA. Yeah, so the NBA has had the agreement to come back. And, I mean, but the, the, what they're, they're having an actual worthwhile conversation right now about, hey, should we come back during this time of, um, of social unrest? And, you know, the, to start off this part of the conversation, I was a bit dubious of, the, of Kyrie Irving's motives first because if you look back at his track record, Kyrie has not always had the best, um, the best record of being a forthright, um, all about you know the team. I guess in, in a in a to use a lack of a better term, he has not always been a team guy, a look out, looking out for everybody else type of guy. So when I heard Kyrie Irving was was kind of spearheading this movement that you know should we even play basketball during these times? And I think it's a, I mean I think they should, but I think it's a valuable conversation to have. Um, like, you know, they're ha- we're having that conversation at least. You know, you know right. like Dwight Howard has never won a championship is saying, you know, I don't think we should be playing. I think, you know, he's got a chance to win a title because he's on the Lakers now. You know, he might give up his, one of his only opportunities to win a championship because he believes um, this moment is not being met and we need to meet it, you know, with, with demonstrations. But, I mean, baseball is like, it's operating, it's so crazy because it's operating its own little world. And at least basketball and football are allowing us to have some conversations about, you know, um, what's wrong and what's right. Just, you know, just to put that out there, just, you know, use that as your, as your term. What's wrong and what's right. And baseball, I mean, we're, we're having the same conversation we had in 1994 about, you know, labor. I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that, you know, a lot of these sports are coming back. And then certainly in the fall, I think we can expect an NFL season and possibly college football in some capacity. Uh, the bottom line is the sports world will forget about baseball for the time being, and that will hurt them long-term. I think currently baseball sits at the second most popular sport in the U.S. Um, I don't see that being the case if the NBA continues its season with no hitch and you know you play through the entire season and get through the playoffs, and you're telling me that there's no baseball season this season. How can you expect baseball? Well, to still see, still be America's pastime, still be the second most popular sport in America behind football, when during this pandemic, they completely failed 
at bringing us a season when it was more than possible to do so. If you're like me, you're thinking about what to eat for dinner while you are eating lunch. I love food, and that is why I love Postmates. During these times, you guys do not need to be reading, uh, leaving your houses, excuse me, and you can also support small businesses, small restaurants by using Postmates. If you download the app today and use the code Locked On, you'll get $100 off the first week of delivery fees. So seven days, $100 off. You're basically not going to be paying anything in delivery fees. Also, Postmates can get you things from Walgreens and 7-Eleven along with your favorite foods. They have contactless delivery, so they will drop it off on your porch, at your apartment door, whatever. Postmates will get it there to you in a timely fashion. Once again, download the Postmates app on iPhone or Android. Use the code LOCKEDON for $100 off in delivery fees your first week. Yeah. And it's the second, I mean, you're right, it's the second most popular sport in terms of TV ratings. But, you know, and, and this has been a big topic on this show is that you're going to see it shrink at the minor league levels. You know, this is, it's one of those things where not everybody lives in a major American city. I mean, I, I you know, I grew up in Richmond and the nearest team. You know, actually, honestly, before two, you know, I guess it was uh, trying to think about when the Braves uh, or when the Nationals came, 2005. So before, you know, from until I was eight years old, there was no Major League Baseball team that was within three hours of where I lived. Um, there were minor league teams, and those function as people's connection to baseball um, across this country, and those are going to shrink too. And this, that is one part of this. The second part of baseball just fading into obscurity is, or at least for the time being, is your shortened season that you're going to get now under the circumstances it's going to be played at the time it's going to be played, if we do get basketball and we do get football, the, nobody's going to care about baseball. Like, it's just no. – like, you're, like you, can, you can shorten a season like the NBA did, um, and people care. Like, that shortened lockout season in 20 – I guess 2011, 2012, like, I keep – you know, I forget what it was, but people don't – people don't forget that heat championship. Like, people right. weren't like, you know, LeBron, didn't, that title didn't count. No, we remember that. And baseball even had a chance to, you know, to play and make it happen. But, like, you're, shortening, you're now going to shorten down a 162-game season to 50 with a, with a massive labor dispute hanging over your head, going up against college, NFL, and, um, and also throw in basketball as well, too. Out of those, I mean, out of those three, and I, look, I do a baseball podcast, I would – baseball is four. It's not close. Hockey knocks baseball to fifth. The UFC is happening. If, if those five things are happening, I would rather watch. I would rather watch anything else except for baseball, because I would know that the product I'm getting has been watered down by some bullshit labor. This this thing that always happens, and these two these these people were too short sighted to see that there's there a there was opportunity in the immediate to recover losses. Like the advertising money would be stupid right now if you were on TV, and you could right. make. I promise you, you can make that work. I promise you, to at least mitigate some of the losses. Long term, long term, you would have been fine. But I guess everybody just wants the Nationals to be baseball champions forever, and we're just never going to play baseball ever. I guess that's, that's, that's where we're heading with this. Well, the biggest winners in this entire situation are certainly the Astros. Yeah. I will say <laughs> that. Um, so I think that it's kind of short-sighted. Well, it's really short-sighted for the owners to say that, you know, well, our profits are going to hurt short term. Um, we've seen time and time again that 
while you might eat those short-term costs, in the long run, it's certainly going to pay off much better for you. And if you're a true businessman, you would realize that. I mean, the Marlins had been playing in front of empty crowds for years, and they yeah. sold for a whopping $1.2 billion. Right. I mean, come on now. Yeah. So by not playing baseball this year, and then also putting at risk the fact that you've kind of burned a, a, a few bridges with the Players Association. So when you're having to nego negotiate a new deal next year, how on earth are you going to do that after the fallout from this year's deal? So yeah. there is a possibility, there is a scenario, a world out there in which baseball is not played for a couple of years. And I, and I think the ringer actually had an article about this. There was an article saying, will, will baseball be around in, they, they said 2030. And uh, I, I saw Kevin Clark comment yesterday. He goes, they, well, we might've been a, a couple of years uh, short on that. It might've, it might be before that when we're without baseball. I mean, look, it's not going to go away. It's, it's, no. it's such a deep rooted part of this country. But um, but what will go away is people's interest. Yeah, yeah. And, it was and, already it was already waning. Let's be right. honest. I mean, it was already and, waning up to this point. And they lost they lost a large portion of of their. I mean, not a large portion, but they did lose an older demographic with a '94 work stoppage. I mean, I, I know, you know, my my dad wasn't a huge baseball fan until you know I guess the Nationals came back, and. You know, I was around and we put the TV on and watched, actually watched the games each day. And that's how he, how he kind of became a Nationals fan. But like his, my grandfather, not a baseball fan. And he, and he cited it. He said after the, the work stoppage in 94, you know, you know it's, it's tough when you're like a working person. And it's, the, it's, it's not just the millionaires fighting billionaires thing. But like it's the fact that the millionaires and the billionaires are stripping you of something that you enjoy because they are just trying to put more money in their pockets. It's not just the I can't sympathize with how much money they make and the money they're fighting over. It's the fact that those are the people who are taking that enjoyment away from you. And, and you know why ultimately those fans are in the right? It's not because of moral reasons. It's because ultimately they're the consumer and the customer is always right. Yes. And you can make choices. That's the thing about, you You know, it's in, and, you know, I, I mean, like, I'll be honest with everybody here, you know, this podcast will not continue if there's no baseball. Like, as right. somebody who is a young person in media, why would I pour my time into a sport where um, I feel like, you know, the, it's, like, it's not worth it? Like, the people at the top don't um, curate and care about the sport enough. So why, what's it worth my time to cover it? Like, it, you know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, obviously, like, like, we're all angry out there, but I think the best thing we can do as consumers of this as people who will like we're, we're a TV rating. Like this is this, that's what they're treating us as right now. That they're treating consumers as TV ratings as, you know, a blank dollar ticket. So what the fans have to do is show their displeasure by not putting that, you know, whatever the face value for the ticket is into the pocket of the owner of not giving them that extra viewer as a rating. And here's the thing is like, Baseball fans should make them hurt for this. I love the game of baseball. It was, my, it was the sport I was best at while I was growing up. I, I played it forever. I've watched it forever. I, you know, I, it's, it is deeply ingrained in anybody, who, you know, especially where we grew up, Cole, you know, south of Mason-Dixon line. Baseball is the sport. And grew up with a lot of guys who play. You know, I love watching the games at Missouri. We love base. you know, went to Richmond Flying Squirrels games, AA affiliate, been going to Major League games, whatever it is. I have played baseball up to high school. I have viewed it at all levels, high school, college, 
minor, you know, minor leagues, a what all, all of it is. Love it. Love the game. But if the people at the top don't do not curate the your, the game you love in good faith, you sh- like you should do something about it. And it might suck for a little while. But I think if people don't watch the shortened season, and I wouldn't blame them. Excuse me if they didn't. Um, like that's what they should do. Like you should tell. Like we should as as a sports watching culture, we should send a message to Major League Baseball and saying this is not what we wanted. It could have been so much more. Like I like. And I'll watch, like, if they have a season, I'll watch the games because it's my duty to cover it. But if they, if they continue to mess this up, why come back? Like, and as fans and as consumers, with each day that passes during this pandemic, we have more and more content available for us as sports fans. I mean, now I would actually consider myself to be a NASCAR fan. Right. That's which if too. you asked me, if you asked me two months ago, are you, would you ever watch NASCAR in any, like, committed passionate capacity i would say absolutely not right but what this pandemic has given me the opportunity to do is sit down and watch an entire nascar race and i enjoyed it and that could have been baseball for a lot of people that could have been millions of people tuning into baseball you know maybe watching a baseball game for the first time in years a full baseball game uninterrupted because quite frankly people have the time right now yeah they do and they would watch it and baseball missed out on that and become invested in your players. Yeah. Like, you know, they can like last year, Rob Manfred, you know, complained about Mike Trout not being enough of a star. Well, it's like, you know what, you know what Mike Trout doesn't have to do. Um, he doesn't have to like, you know, be a vocal or all this kind of stuff. Just put him on TV while everybody's at home. I think a lot more people be like, wow, this Mike, Mike Trout guy's really good. I enjoy watching him play. Like you have the ability. And, and once again, it's one of these sports where this matters. We can see these players faces. Like this is an opportunity to grow these players' brands as athletes, and we are, and they are completely missing it. And I and, and enough, like you know, we've been harping on this a bunch. I do want to talk about Cole. Some of the things that we have um, enjoyed. There, there has been a revealing part of of COVID that is um, some good things have happened. And I wanted to start with NASCAR. I'd say zero of which involved baseball, but yeah. Yeah, those, zero of those things involve <laughs> baseball. None of them are baseball right. related, so we're not working. So this is, you know, we're going to deviate from baseball just a little bit. But number one, NASCAR. NASCAR, I have enjoyed watching the races. They're, honestly, at the end, they haven't been really super competitive anyway. But it's been fun to watch. I've enjoyed watching NASCAR. Um, you know, enjoyed, you know, a little betting on it. And then obviously the games, you know, there's some fun games you can play with NASCAR. I've enjoyed that. Um, NASCAR knocked it out of the park with their PR. You know, they've got, um, I, forget, I didn't remember the guy's name, but you know, they, they did a pause on the track. They had the statements from the president of NASCAR and then they banned Confederate flags. And, I, and, and this is an important thing. I want to get your take on this too. I was, I've been really upset by a lot of people who are like, uh, like banning Confederate flags isn't real progress. Like they should have been doing that anyway. NASCAR, the NASCAR community and fan base people is not a, uh, not a progressive one on the whole. So you try running a business and making moves like that, considering who their consumer base is, it's a pretty bold move. It's a pretty brave move. So I think in all, like, when you consider that, they should be commended. It's difficult to make decisions like that when you know you're going to frustrate your fan base. But they did, the, they did the right thing, even though it upset a lot of people. So I think people should honestly, like, if they say things like, you know, well, that was the least NASCAR could do, 
they honestly don't know much about NASCAR or who the fans are. And I think it's, it's not fair to criticize them for that and be like, they should have done that a while ago. I mean, yeah, but think about who goes to those events and they're going to upset them to make a statement. I think that should be commended. I really think. Well, let's also note that NASCAR said the words black lives matter at the same time the NFL did. It took the NFL just as long, but also the NFL was actually in the spotlight and had the opportunity to say those words with Colin Kaepernick. They never did. They threw him under the bus and we saw how that turned out. Yeah. So I would actually argue that NASCAR is more progressive as an organization than the NFL has been, which is crazy to say, but I think that there's a lot to back that up. Yeah. I mean, the last year they have been. Right. I, it's because it's funny because I mean, in the Xfinity series, the obviously the, the tier below NASCAR, there was a back, I think it was like back the blue uh, paint job that was on Saturday, which was True, yeah. pretty tacky. Yeah. But, but Bubba Wallace with a Black Lives Matter car, um, you know, it's, that, was, that was awesome to see. Like that was, you know, and, and they, the NASCAR broadcast, boy, I mean, the executives over there at Fox and NASCAR, they hammered that to death. I like, mean, and he, and he drove his heart out. I mean, he had an unbelievable he race. Uh, he's car, not a great driver. The car's, not very, the car's not very good. The car's right. not very good. Right. It, but what, he finished 11th, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Pretty unbelievable. Um, so I've enjoyed NASCAR a lot. I also yeah. enjoyed last weekend watching three, two and a half rounds of just full golf. That's yeah. how much I watched of that. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. Game. It's one of those things you don't have to feel guilty about watching it. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those sports where you feel pretty good about the guys showing up and being able to play together. And, you know, um, I don't think there was any fans there. And that's one of those sports where you're like, I'm cool with this happening, you know? Um, and I guess MMA and like, MMA is like the, the kind of the line where I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this, but we're going to do it. You know, it. it's funny. I, w- I was very against UFC coming back, but, the way they have handled it with the amount of testing and the amount of money that you know that they have put into the safety of their fighters and of their staff and just organization as a whole has been astonishing and actually very commendable. I have been very impressed with the way they've handled it. And so far, I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, they haven't really run into an issue. Yeah, I mean, the Jacare thing got dicey there, obviously, the first week. But they nipped that in the bud immediately. Right. And, and no other okay. people tested yeah. positive. Like, everybody's okay. Yeah, it turned out yeah. Great. And, and things have gone pretty well for them. And um, it's been interesting, though, because that, that's one sport. And, look, uh, you know, to go back to the union thing, like, at least baseball has one. Because the UFC, I mean, you're, you know, they've been entering the mainstream because of their own labor disputes as well, too. Uh, obviously, the big stars, John Jones, Jorge Masvidal, Conor McGregor, wanting to sit out for more money. And you're seeing the amount of money that the UFC shells out for these things, you know, the COVID testing, all that stuff like this. And you're like, well, where's the money for the fighters? I mean, these guys, these guys and girls, man, drastically. I mean, you know what you're talking about underpaid and not getting what they deserve. Yeah. Most sports get around in the revenue sharing and the NHL and the NBA and the NFL is at least 40%, right? The players get at least 40% of the revenue. In the UFC, it is 12 to 16%. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just – it's unfathomable. So, yeah. to the MLB players, um, it could be worse. You could not have a union. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I mean, as a sport, I've enjoyed it. Um, I haven't watched an inning of KBO. I refuse to watch it. I mean, no, there are teddy no. bears and cardboard cutouts in the stands. I, I like that, but I'm just not going to watch it. Um, yeah, I don't think I've watched any of it except the highlights that pop up in my Twitter feed. But also, I mean – 
the scheduling is not easy <laughs> to, yeah. to watch, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, and and Boone But I, I think that honestly, I think that shows us that people aren't as desperate for baseball as we think they are. Right. There's a lot of other options right I, now, and <laughs> in another day, there's going to be more options with the Premier League coming back, and then in a month, we're going to have. Uh, some F1. We're going to have the NBA soon. When's the NBA supposed to start? End of July. But I mean, that's, that's obviously now in doubt with, right. the, with everything going of on. Course. And I'll be interested to see what happens there. But um, Premier League comes back this week. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're getting all the sports back, you know, slowly and surely. And the biggest clowns in the room uh, are, the, are the baseball players. One other thing, too, is like you're starting to, especially in college sports, bit more of the exposure of how like this this weird dynamic of um players against the coaches and how like the player like the coaches just don't seem to be on the same understanding length about social issues that players are um we're seeing at iowa clemson um uh just yesterday oklahoma state with the oan stuff and you know i made a big you know i'm all for player empowerment and players talking uh, obviously there was a Drew Brees scenario a couple weeks ago and he got dragged and I made the point Cole, that I thought it was important that we, we took it as a learning experience, right? I mean, Drew Brees is one of the two most influential athletes in, in New Orleans. He says, Hey, look, you know, um, you know, he basically made a point about the standing slash kneeling for the flag saying that he's going to stand for it because the military says he's not for disrespecting the flag. He clearly missed the boat. And then he apologized for it. And I, I think what people didn't talk about is the fact that Drew Brees is going to make it right. Whether he, whether he knows what he did wrong or not, he is going to, by, either by donation or action or whatever it is, Drew Brees is going to make it up. And so it's a net positive that I think we have moments of ignorance that allow us to start bridging the gap, right? Like, like moments of ignorance like Drew Brees' of not understanding why people kneel for the flag are good teaching moments that we can show people, hey, look, just because Drew Brees has played with you know, a bunch of black players for his entire life does not mean that he understands their qualms. And so it's important for guys like that to have those awakening moments. And I think it's, um, we should keep encouraging people to, to speak out. And in moments like that, we should just completely drag somebody forever. We should use it as, as a moment to move towards um, consensus and like, hey, Drew, let's, let's donate some money here to sh- you know, show that we actually are sorry. That's, pr- that's productive. Like, whether you, I, think you, yeah. whether you believe his apology or not, it's productive. I agree. I think that what's disheartening, though, about the Drew Brees situation is the fact that he was part of that situation. He was part of that culture for years. And it's pretty clear that what he took away from it, uh, the Colin Kaepernick kneeling and so many others, like, it's clear what he took away from that was completely ignorant and completely uh, misinformed on why those players were kneeling. It never had anything to do with the military. And the fact that he thought it did is completely asinine to me. So I did have an issue with that because it's pretty clear that he wasn't listening at any time uh, during those years. I think he's listening now, but I think it's only because he has to. And yeah. that's the problem I do have with that situation. Yeah, that's the same one I have too. I just don't think we should be like we shouldn't scare athletes into not talking because when they sh- when they share opinions like that, I think it's important that we know what they're thinking. And with Drew Brees and things things too, like like you know those players aren't going to turn their backs on him. 
And I think they're going to, you know, like they're going to try to show him what, you know, what's right. And it's going to be important that somebody like him is going to be with the movement now and trying to learn. And that's why I don't think we should just keep dragging people. Like it's the same thing that's happened at Oklahoma state. If those of you haven't seen this, uh, Mike Gundy, the coach at Oklahoma state, the football coach wore an OAN shirt, uh, one American news, which is a news network that is like it's, it's explicit goal is to be pro Trump, but also along the way they've, espoused a lot of um, conspiracy theories, shared a lot of fake news, and also they have, uh, they have not been kind to the Black Lives Matter movement at, at all and uh, in, in a pretty disingenuous and insincere way. And their star running back, Chuba Hubbard, just said that, you know, tweeted the picture, retweeted the picture of him and said, I am not going to do anything until, we, you know, we take care of this. And a bunch of players backed him and the AD made a statement, the president made a statement, it was looking pretty dicey for Mike Gundy yesterday. They came out and made a video where Mike Gundy didn't apologize, but somehow Chuba Hubbard, the running back, had to apologize. And, um, like, I appreciate moments like that. And Mike Gundy said, I'm going to make some changes. I'm curious as to what changes he's going to make. But like, How Gundy was able to turn that around is absolutely crazy to me. It's impressive in a, in a bad yeah. way. It is, and it, it, it's just so disgusting. And it's a tough look to literally see in front of your eyes a white, older head coach in a position of power and with his black, unpaid athlete making the athlete apologize for something he was offended by. And rightfully so. I mean, yeah. to, call, to call that a news source is crazy. That's not a news source. We're not talking about CNN. We're not talking about even Fox News. We're talking about something that spews hate. I mean, they make they make Fox News look, look like MSNBC. They yeah, really it, do. It's, yeah. it's 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 pretty embarrassing. But those conversations are ones that we have to have. And like the Iowa strength coach using racial slurs, and then you know, I thought the moment at Clemson was pretty telling, where apparently a coach a couple of years ago said um, a racial slur, and the context was argued about. And Dabo Sweeney comes out and makes a fifteen-minute video where he kind of dances around everything and doesn't even apologize. It doesn't, you yeah. know, tries, kind of tries to rationalize it. And you kind of realize, like, this is what you realize. And I'm this kind of goes back to the baseball thing. Like the people who are the upper level, you know, of things of sports typically, like just don't get, like, they don't get it. Like they don't, whatever, whether it's money, you know, Dallas Sweeney makes $10 million a year to coach Clemson football. Doesn't go to the side of the ball either. Uh, actually, you know, acts like he's this charismatic guy who loves his players but said he'd quit if players began to get paid in college. And also too, is like rationalizing, you know, these kind of racist remarks from the coach. Does that show somebody who really cares about his players? Not really. No. And the, and the Mike Gundy thing too, it's like, you're starting to see why, like there's this big disconnect. Like the guy, the people at the top are just sometimes not connected to the people that they work with. Um, and sports has had a real, you know, rough go of it. Um, with these things also too, like, did you see the Ben Shapiro clip last week of him saying he's a bit uncomfortable now? He's not comfortable anymore with basketball. Oh, I did see something. I didn't watch the video, but let, I did let see me that. clarify something here. Um, Nationals fans, a lot of them are, you know, it's a good, it's a diverse group. There's Republicans, Democrats, but DC on the whole, right, pretty liberal city. A lot of the young folks who go to the Nationals games are are liberals. Do you think they love how Kurt Suzuki and Patrick Corbin are massive MAGA bros and love Donald Trump? <laughs> no, I'm sure they don't. But do you know what they do? They're like, you know what? I'm a Nationals fan, and that's fine. So I'm going to go to the game. Like, 
like here's the thing is like you can disagree with the other side right and still enjoy the sports so them speaking out is not a crime right like you can't like them speaking out is not, a, is not is, there's nothing wrong with that there's just the moments like the moments of ignorance are the ones that we have to call out and address and do something about so like and, and it's really ironic to hear a white man once again saying i'm uncomfortable about this person of color <laughs> these people like, it's, I'm not, it's like well you weren't a basketball fan in the first place that he said uh, lebron right. you know sure ben fine ben shapiro then don't watch anymore like so long actually you know what you bring up a good point i'm gonna transition this back to baseball if you for example are a nascar fan right and they ban the confederate flag at races and you say you're no longer a nascar <laughs> fan you were a never a nascar fan in the first place there is nothing for there's nothing that would break my bond with the sport of football for example however we've seen during this period of time with the baseball negotiations there's not a lot of baseball fans that can say the same people will forget about baseball people will fall out of love with baseball uh baseball does not have that luxury to be a timeless sport anymore right so they need to realize that and get something going fast it, it it honestly just feels like it's like it's a boxing fight and the and the fans are just I'm just getting battered and the 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 MLB as the fighter is just trying to break our will as fans We're like how much more of this can you like it's it feels like it's Ivan Drago and it's just like I will break you and it's like yeah you're doing a pretty good job I mean I'm getting pretty close to being but here's the thing we're thrown in the towel pretty quickly here yeah it's we, we don't I, no need moss. this fight no, <laughs> we don't no, need this fight no no moss. Uh, Cole, can you give any, can you give any, uh, insights to what you're working on right now? Um, I guess. Was they you don't have to. I mean, not really. Okay. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. But soon. soon. It's ex- I'm, I'm excited for this podcast, man. I'm, 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 yeah. go. well, I will say it's a long form narrative sports documentary style podcast. So it's going to be about 10 episodes and 30 minutes each. So it'll be great. All right, perfect. Uh, Cole, I appreciate your time today. Good conversation. And hopefully, I mean, yeah, I'm, thanks for having me. Hopefully, baseball comes back. It's just like, I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> uh, make yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast and the uh, Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast as well.